We keep things rolling on this haunted trail here on the Sports Cubicle. It's Paul Shavari. I'm Mike Mercado. And, Paulie, this is one of the things I love about this year's World Series that beyond just what's going to go on the field. And there's some stuff I want to break down about these two organizations that are in the big series, the World Series that is happening this holiday season, this Halloween season. Another treat for us this Halloween season. And what I find first fun about this is this sounds like some bad old Western movie. It's those dang Rattlers, those Arizona Diamondbacks taking on the Texas Rangers down in the Southwest. But when we saw this World Series matchup, I'm fascinated by the two managers. I'm fascinated about 100 loss seasons. I'm fascinated about two different types of payroll. I am fascinated about the story that this World Series is telling us about wildcard teams. And I think that whatever plays out on the field between these pitching staffs, between these hot lineups, whatever happens in the desert between these two teams, I'm just fascinated how we got here, the philosophy of how we got here. And I think how, in my opinion, what I've learned from this playoff run for both these organizations, for all these different teams, you know, for how hot the Phillies were, for how the Astros stuck around in this series, is you can't count about variables and variants in a playoff series but I do believe that money doesn't guarantee a playoff run or a World Series championship. What it does is help ensure as many wins as possible during the regular season, which needs to now be, in the mind of sports fans, a division, a difference. We have to be able to have context. The playoffs are different than the regular season in baseball. I think we've seen this before. I think the run of the Tampa Bay Rays starting like 15 years ago was where I think we started seeing, you know, because that because that was fresh off of the Yankees Red Sox dominant run in the 2000s where the top payrolls were always getting to the the World Series or having big seasons. But and and I, even in that time, I was kind of saying, like, you don't need to pay a guy 20 million dollars, you know, just because. And you saw the Rays go on this run of success. And you've seen other teams kind of do it too. And and there's kind of a mix of you do need to spend some money, but you don't need to have the top payroll. Look at the Mets are a complete mess. You know, I think a year ago, um, you know, they, they, they had a good team. The Mets, they uh, make the playoffs. They lose game three at home in the wild card round. And uh, they, they end up, um, you know, spending even more in the offseason like a, a ridiculous amount of money and they fell flat on their faces this year. And and I think now the owner is regretting that decision and, and is kind of ripping it apart and trying to retool the whole thing. So I, I think you see that money doesn't buy your way out of problems. I, I guess a better example would be the San Diego Padres. And I always kind of compared the White Sox and the Padres because their rebuild started at about the same time. But the Padres made this extra push where they started going and spending money after these different guys. You know, Eric Hosmer, who's no longer on the team. But then being able to trade and get Josh Hader and Juan Soto and, you know, they got as close as one series away from the World Series last year, but they were my odds-on favorite to get to the World Series and win this year, and they didn't even make the playoffs. So I think there's something to be said about money does not buy championships in baseball like it used to. Not, not that it truly did, but it always helped having the top guys on your team. But I think it also, you know, you have to have depth. You have to have a farm system. You have to have pitching, always pitching. And I think that's why... 
maybe not so much for Texas, but definitely with Arizona, why we see the Diamondbacks were able to work themselves from a team that just barely leaked into the playoffs on the last weekend of the season to now the National League champion. I mean, they ruined the Cubs season. They were one of the factors of the, the Cubs. Cubs kind of held through in their yeah, season, but too, I, but you're right. Yeah, yeah, I mean, they were one of those buzzsaws that you saw at the end of the schedule. Like, oh, you could kind of take business, take care of business against Arizona. You're like, oh, now when we All got the Cubs here. Cubs had to do was win, what, half of the games well, they played, and I don't think they won any against Arizona. Say a Suzuki dropped a flyout. Yeah. And that's the first. It may not be done now, but like you think about the dominoes that have to happen for them to be in game one against the Texas Rangers. Like, this is how we get here. Physically watching the Cubs the last Friday of the season at Milwaukee, just being in the stadium and just watching, you know, the Cubs had every step of the way they could have won that game. And, and, you know, Milwaukee even put in a a rookie pitcher making his debut. Yeah. And, and, they still couldn't, you know, it's like, and you could just feel the momentum shifting. I, hey, the Cubs are a different story. Something happened, like the air got taken out of that balloon somewhere in, in September. September. Yeah, the yeah, yeah, and, and I couldn't mm-hmm. explain it to you exactly why. But yeah, the Suzuki thing, unfortunately, they're going to remember it for that. It's like the Brant Brown drop in 98. Yeah. Or was that in the 98 or 97 or whenever that was? It had to be 97. 98, yeah. yeah, 98, they were the wall card. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but, but anyway, it, yeah. it just remind, yeah. reminds me of that where you point to a moment where, you know, unfortunately that's going to be the one that, that uh, encapsulates the season for the Cubs. But that's that's not what we're talking about. So the Rangers' payroll is $251 million. Which we knew they spent. You know, is that opening day payroll? No, this is, is after uh, since, they, since, they, they yes. did get Max Scherzer, yeah, though, yeah. so that, that you know adds to it. And the Diamondbacks payroll, and this is up to date, is $119 million. Highest paid player, obviously, for the Rangers at $35 million, And for the Diamondbacks, it's $11.6 million. Now, the Rangers had the fourth highest payroll in Major League Baseball this season, mm-hmm. while the Diamondbacks had the 21st highest of 30 teams. So the reason I bring this up is... But keep in mind, though, one of those players with one of those like ridiculous contracts on the Rangers isn't even playing in this yes. series, and Jacob DeGrom. And one of their big acquisitions, so somehow mm-hmm. getting into the World Series, and you don't, you don't even have the guy that you spend so much money in. But and I know they're, they're their middle infielders alone yeah. is probably a good chunk of that payroll. Yeah. Marcus so, Semien and... Uh, Corey um, Seager. Thank you, Corey Seager. So I think the thing I'm more fascinated about is philosophy of spending money because if you look at MLB MLB team payrolls in the beginning of the season you had the Mets the Yankees the Padres the Phillies the Dodgers the Angels the Blue Jays the Braves the Rangers and Houston okay so breaking out all very good teams and some that just missed the playoffs all just completely outright yeah some had huge collapses so I again this is where I think I have really learned the lesson of Having to learn as a sports fan that unlike other sports, you can equate a regular season 162-game sample of Major League Baseball to five-game series, three-game series, seven-game series, and what happens on a random cold night in a random city in a random October night. It's hard to combine the two things, and it's hard for sports fans to understand that. So where I'm coming down, especially with an offseason for Cub fans, that there's a lot of excitement and a lot of expectations of what they need to do, what should be done, and not just for the Cubs' sake. A lot of teams in baseball right now are kind of waiting to see some big names where they're going to land, what kind of contracts they're going to get. I now firmly believe that in a 162-game sample, it is very important, if not pertinent, for a organization to spend money for insurance of injuries, for that type of big pop, for any type of circumstance you want to believe in. But you cannot count on that. So, for example, for whichever team counts on Shohei Otani, 
You should not be counting on Shohei Otani for October. Your expectation should be, we need him for the 162-game sample, get us to October, help us win eight plus 81 games. That, to me, is where the merge has to become. You don't have to spend $300 million on your payroll. When you spend 175 it needs to be on a Dansby Swanson, which is a smart, yeah. good player. It's yeah, expensive. It was a great investment for the Cubs. And I think I was That's even saying that at the time. I know they wanted a better shortstop. He was probably like the third or fourth best at that point, shortstop at that. But yeah. at the same time, Dansby Swanson is a great bargain bin find, if, if you want to consider that a bargain bin. And you know? that's where I believe that makes sense, opposed to trying to over overstack with a bunch of those opposed to no if you do it right the the Padres you know Machado uh you know Soto uh Tatis you just know, go down the list the, the money that they you threw Darvish. At, yeah the, the money that they threw at Fernando Tatis and yeah. he barely even cracked the league you know like they're stuck with that for the next 10 years now the, the the Braves really do have a great way of having it where it's like you have a lot of young guys on good contracts and you have a lot of guys who get paid good money because they deserve it you have to have a mixture your team can't all be a bunch of double a young kids that came up and don't know any better mm-hmm. but they also can't be what the Yankees are where it's a bunch of 180 million dollar guys it needs to be a mixture of both and I think this World Series is going to be that example of you have to know how to balance your budget, your roster, and you have to get lucky in the playoffs. So let's get local for a second yeah. here. Uh, the White Sox tried to, you know, like, so So the, the White Sox ha- fans maybe have hope right now. Like, look, 100 losses. Two years later, you're in the World Series. If you go back and look at the Arizona and Texas rosters from two years ago, tons of turnover. I yeah. think on average, there's about five or six guys on each team that are still on those teams you know, whereas the White Sox, they're kind of stuck with some contracts. They decided instead of going uh, with the rookie deals and the arbitration years with Aloy Jimenez and Yoan Moncada, that they would just kind of pay them up front the equivalent. You know, like they were banking on if Moncada and Jimenez were as good as they were supposed to be, these were going to be a steal in terms of what their market price would have been right. over that time span. Right. The unfortunate part is these guys were nowhere close to what they were supposed to be. So now it looks like they overspent on these guys rather than going the year-by-year arbitration. But now you find yourself stuck with, well, how are you going to get rid of these guys if you don't want them anymore? And how are you going to round out the rest of your payroll when you already have committed so much money to these guys? Not that they're anywhere in the the leagues of uh, Tatis or Machado or those guys, but at the same time, you get that. The, The White Sox tried to be smart about it, and it backfired because they put all their eggs in the uh, they're-going-to-be-good basket. And I think where the White Sox really could have benefited from that that idea of like opening up the wallets a little bit, because again, it's not like they were completely cheap, but this is where I really got frustrated of somebody like Hal Schwarber was out there. Yeah. And it may have been a little bit expensive, $20 million, let's just say, right? Like I know it might have been a little bit a little more, a little bit less, but the idea of like... $20 million might have been a difference of that insurance of when somebody was gone like e- Eloy or Robert. But or, I think the, it, it's Schwarber and Jimenez are essentially, let's say for all intents and purposes, the same player. I get that there's a talent difference, sure, but sure. essentially it's the, um, well, he's primarily going to be your DH. Which, yeah. I know one one's a lefty that's a better fielder and cranks home runs down the line. 100%. Low batting average. The other guy is a... Better hitter, way worse outfielder, and should have been an outfielder, but has to be a DH. So, but but for intensive purposes, there's that, and I think 
like going back to the White Sox, I I would have loved Schwarber. Schwarber would have been great on that team. But you you commit yourself to certain things where you can't make these decisions. So I'm but, so glad you but, brought but that up. But at the same up. time, you can't commit fifteen million dollars in three years to Leori Garcia. And, and th- th- that's what I'm saying. Like you can't say that you're a smart. You're making these smart moves. You're making this and then, th- make, and then dumb make that. Moves. Yes. Yeah. And like here's the thing. I would rather live in the world instead of that, right? The Leroy Garcia three years, where I rather spend and figure out later what I'm going to do with both uh, uh, Eloy and Schwarber. Because here's the thing: when you lost Eloy, when you lost Robert, yeah, like you really couldn't use a Schwarber. A yeah. Schwarber, and that's yeah, you have so much depth that, but you know, then then your your cycle, it's it's hard. It's hard for a manager. You're yeah. gonna have to like cycle in. You you know, you have basically. 11 out of your 13 hitters are good enough to be everyday major leaguers, but you can only start nine of them. And that's a problem, but that's what makes... But that's, th- that's, that's good the job. managers. Yeah, yeah that's, that's good the managers job. know how to find a way around Well, that. now we get into, and I'm glad we're having this conversation, because this is what the World Series does. This is what the Super Bowl does. This is what the NBA Finals, the WNBA Finals, the, the EPL Finals, all these things, right? We're like, okay, these are what the gold standard is this season. This is who got here right now. How do we put ourselves as sports fans and our organization that we cover, that we root for. How do we get there? And in this World Series, it's, like you said, right moves on the manager side. A team getting hot, and you have to get lucky. Mm-hmm. And I think as long as you can control some of the other variables, like your depth, mm-hmm. like the drafting and development of your players. Again, if you draft and develop enough, you're going to hit on enough. And you also, I think the Or right, you'll have the assets to get the depth you and, need at the trade deadline, which is going to be another problem, bringing it back local yes. to the White Sox. Do they have enough farm depth to do roster turnover so that potentially by 2025 they can make the World Series? I don't think they do. And we are taking a look at what this World Series is bringing us to us as it is the Arizona Diamondbacks and the Texas Rangers. What does that mean for local baseball here in Chicago, here on the Sports Cubicle? It's Paul Shawari. I'm Mike Mercado. Make sure you're following us on Twitter at Sports Cubicle TV. Check out the entire WCPT lineup over on Spotify and on SoundCloud at WCPT 820. And this is where I'm I'm so excited about what this all brings, though, because it's a chance to see a first-time World Series organization in the Texas Rangers. A chance to see kind of that all come together. Seeing Bochy come back mm-hmm. and winning a World Series. You know, him kind of playing it smart. And I brought this up in the conversation about Dusty Baker, and I want to run it by you really fast because we talk about the White Sox. We talk about David Ross here in Chicago, certain rosters. Before you ask your question, I think Bochy and Baker will both be the next two managers to go into the hall. God bless. Down. I mean, that's that's How like the most captain uh, obvious yeah. statement in the world. But yeah. Uh, no, and I'm glad you bring that up because of managers and what they mean, okay? So we've seen expectations what might be for the Cubs going next year with David Ross, and we've seen expectations with Rens in Chicago. And I think Dusty Baker and Bruce Bochy and, and some of these managers, I think it's so disrespectful when we say things like, well, that team was ready-made to go win a championship. It had this, it had this. And just this season alone, we learned, we saw that it's no guarantee that a team like the White Sox, that had all the expectations in the world, lose 100 games. We've seen the Cubs, who had this hot beginning of the season, were hanging around and uh, a Cy Young candidate fall in September. It's no guarantee that the roster that you have, that the team that you have, the players on that paper, guarantee that you're going to walk in and win a championship. So I think with Dusty Baker's retirement, with seeing the Rangers in this World Series and what it means for all of baseball, I think that... I hope this year more than ever, finally, the analytical sport that it claims to be has finally learned 
that there are so many dynamics going on in baseball specifically. Maybe only hockey has the most like variables and variants that could change a game. Mm-hmm. But like baseball, it, it's so crazy to see what what we have seen at the end of this season, what we could take from it. And I just wanted to get your opinion on. Bochi really fast going on to the Rangers, taking them this far. Do you believe that like that's kind of a a uh, a, a disrespectful thing? We got to stop doing as fans that oh, just because the roster looks at that, you're gonna walk right in and win a championship. I think yes. I think short answer yes because you know like you know you got you know clearly the Rangers there because Bochi was kind of their their captain, their uh, their rock, you know their their guy that that kind of kept them uh, solid through all of the adversity. And, and I think you saw, you know, to bring it back to the White Sox, like I always do, the thought was, oh, well, if Tony La Russa, if the game has passed him by and they were a 500 team with him, well, if they're essentially the same team next year with a different manager, there should be like a five-win improvement. Well, it ended up being a 20-game regression. And, uh, you know, so I, I think we put... Sometimes we put too much stock in managers. Sometimes we don't put any stock in managers. Like Rafal. But But there's, yeah, like Rafal. Well, yeah. I mean... It's uh, it's so hard because you know we don't know how much of a yes man next year is going to be a really big year for Pedro Grafal, yeah. but that's assuming that the White Sox are going to give him a team to work with because I, I think there's always that though there is the you know was this team on paper going to be a competitor because there's managers that can squeeze out as much talent out of a bad roster and then there's managers like Larusa in 2022 that totally ruin a good team not that the White Sox were they, they should have won their division but that's they the really expectations we yeah, talk yeah, about yeah. like yeah. Uh, you walked right into a team that was supposed to be ready made had the the entire city backing it up was ready to take baseball by storm of being the cool team in baseball and. Just took all the wind out of the sails, and it, you know, of course, a lot of that might have to do with the fact that they just brought in Larusa yeah. when Rick Renteria was doing an okay he job. Okay. I mean, he he uh. kind of the 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 last two weeks of the 2020 season. But at the same time, like, are you really going to blame the guy for a pandemic season? You know, like, let's see what he could do with a full, you know, Rick Renteria never got to do a full season with a talented roster to see what he could do in 162. And Ricky's, Ricky's boys didn't quit, but the organization quit on Ricky. 100%. The Cubs got rid of Ricky Renteria for one reason, because one of Joe Madden, Joe Madden was okay, available. But that's the same thing. Like, like, why is it that, it was okay for the Cubs to do that for Joe Madden, but it wasn't okay for the White Sox to do it with Tony Larusa. Outcome I think matters. I, I think I know the yeah. the answer to that question, yeah. but it's like it's it's more or less the same situation. Well, I think, and we can end it on this, and this could be something we continue on. I think the Joe the Joe Madden thing is a more likability. I think that has a lot to do yeah. with it. It's like just the the yeah, he connected matter. with the players. Yeah, he but had an identity. Also, Opposed to Tony LaRusso, who had done it, had the accomplishments, I think everybody was like, and it's the Dusty effect, where it's like, oh, can we finally see this guy win a championship? Oh, he might do it with Chicago. Is the manager of the Chicago Cubs going to be the cool, silver-haired, glasses, yeah, mantra guy? Try not to suck. It yeah. all, like, I think it was more encompassing of the character yeah. of that than why it worked Whereas more than— Whereas LaRusso felt like, like, hey, guys, forget what you know. We've we've figured this out for you. Don't listen to your general manager. We've got, we got this. You. Our old buddy's going to come back. And and then the the hubris of Reinsdorf That's and LaRusso to it. think that, oh, yeah, we'll just bring him out That's of retirement. And then—, and then and of course, the DUI. That's but, it. Yeah. You hit it on the head of all the circumstances that got us to this point. And I think this is kind of the whole circle of this World Series, how we got here, these playoffs. This whole season is we try our best to analyze, break down, and try to figure out the patterns of these teams, of these players. You and I have conversations on the air, off the air, text messages, trying to figure out all sports of how we can 
try to understand the matrix of them. And I think after this World Series, heading into next season, the entire offseason that's coming up, I think we need to take more appreciation of the 162, take a pause, and then start appreciating what October brings. Because it's two different things. When you win a division, that's an accomplishment. When you win a wild card, that's an accomplishment. When you win a divisional series, a wild card series, when you win the pennant, that's an accomplishment. And we need to, as sports fans, as baseball fans, understand now the difference that there's so much parity in these leagues. There's so many smart people. There's so many great players that to define these teams and organizations by what happens on a random night in October is not fair for what we saw in the greater sample size. And I think it's our responsibility as fans, as broadcasters, to maybe show that to the people who are now joining us and seeing these new exciting players that are taking storm the league. So uh, any final thoughts, Molly? Yeah, I actually I wanted to ask you something because yeah. uh, weeks ago you and I were kind of talking about what we saw on each mm-hmm. side, and I was saying – Texas and Philadelphia are buzz saws. They're going to end up meeting. And it looked like for a second that was the case. But you had Houston and Arizona. And, you know, so like we were both right and wrong. We split the middle. What did you see in Arizona that made you think that they were good? Because I I, I was missing it completely. I thought Philly's offense was going to. And then Wheeler and Nola and and Kimbrell. I thought thought all those guys were going to be dominant enough. And and the Philly home crowd that is going to be enough to to push them over the edge. But what did you see? So my... When I was looking at Arizona, obviously we had the benefit here in Chicago of watching a lot of Arizona baseball heading into the last few weeks of baseball's regular season. When they split. played the Cubs the sixth because games. Because we, we had to yeah. see a lot of it. The pitching rotation is just nasty. Mm-hmm. And when they were able to kind of lock things up towards the end of the regular season and able to, the big thing was getting out of that wild card series. When they were able to have enough time to set the lineup up, I, I thought I, it I was just I told you all season good. Milwaukee was, yeah. I, I'm not scared of Milwaukee. Uh, we, yeah. The NL yeah. Central felt like no one wanted to win it. Uh-huh. And even though, even though at the end the Brewers kind of ran away with it, 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 they were the weakest team going into the playoffs, which is sad because you know it would have been nice. It would have been a, ni- a nice story, um, but that's hopefully that's the end of that era of Milwaukee Brewers baseball. And They're going to have to retool. Yeah, I know, which might benefit the Cardinals and Cubs and Reds. We'll see how that all plays out. But I think also too, and and this is something else. What what, what we deem a team being hot. Because a team getting hot like Philadelphia was awesome because they have the power, they have the boom, yeah. they're able to. But when teams are playing for survival, this is what I said about the Cubs running out of steam. They have been playing playoff baseball since July. Mm-hmm. So like when some of these teams like Arizona are playing this type of baseball late into September, and you're like, oh, they've not only had to maintain this, but we're close enough where they're not going to run out of juice. They don't have three months to do this. They only got to do this for six more weeks. And really, when you win a quick series, when you're able to set up your lineup, and you do have this, what wins in baseball? Home runs and pitching. Mm-hmm. And when you're doing both... It's hard to beat you. And as long as you could, as long as they were able to ride that wave of Philadelphia, you knew Bryce Harper was going to get cold. You knew that Nick Cassianos was going to get cold at some point. Well, I think they figured they out, are. Arizona figured out if you just pitch around Schwarber and yeah. and uh, Harper, you know, then you can, you can, you can stop you the series. And then, of course, you know, Kimbrell, the, the uh, 2021 Kimbrell showed, showed up. Showed up, up 100%. The, yeah. And like you said, when we were talking out there, it's just the buzzsaws that were the Rangers and Philly. So, like, the Rangers. The players that needed to step up have, and they have found the pitching when they when they have in that ballpark. Sometimes as a launching pad. Oh, the Texas ball. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. It, it, you put this all together. That's why I think this World Series is going to be fascinating. You go to Arizona for one, where 
that Paul Park is going to play its own character and then Texas is its own, put those pitching staffs together and let's just see which bats get it. I think an interesting factor in the series is these are two ballparks that are generally closed stadiums yes. because it's so hot during the season. But at this part of the year, playing night games, they're going to keep it open. As far as I know, I haven't heard one way yeah, or another, no. but they had opened both of those stadiums. So I think that'll be neat to see how both of those ballparks factor in when you have the actual open elements to how it affects the ball. But yeah, I, I'm excited about this series. It's it's weird because, um, you know, w- everyone's going to be hearing this uh, after games one and two. So you and I are talking before the first pitch tonight in game one. Dude, in like the eight years you and I have been breaking down World Series, this is the first one where I'm like, I, I got, I have no idea. I, I'm leaning Rangers. I've always been leaning ra- hard Rangers. But part of me is like, I don't know. I could see Arizona really taking this. I thought Arizona was going to win the World Series when they made, when the playoffs were set. Okay. So I thought Arizona was going to win the World Series. I thought they were going to get past the Braves. I but thought they did were going to you think uh, Brandon Fott was going to be a factor no, in all of this? Because he ended up being their best pitcher in October. I, you know how I always do about the vibes thing where I just felt this was a year where a wild card team was going to win the World Series? Yeah, it's kind of set up for it just said, You know what yeah. I mean? So it just it felt like this was that year where if, uh, if I was just going to put a, t- a bet on the Vegas table, I'm like, you know what? My gut just says wild card team this yeah. year. So I'm like, And I've seen so much Arizona last few years. I'm like, let me just ride with them. Only Houston was the only team that got a buy that felt like they were a contender. And Houston to me were the Chiefs. Where it's like I'm just I'm gonna stop betting them. Yeah. When they start losing, when I actually see them losing, they still made it to the championship series within a win. So uh, I'm fascinated about this World Series on so many different levels. But I'm excited that we don't know who's gonna win. So I think just for fun, Paul's going Rangers. I'm going Diamondbacks. Okay. Fair. Well, for right, yeah. yeah I'll say uh, we'll seven, go. but it's yeah. gonna go seven. I'll go. You know what? I'll go six. Okay. Just to be a little bit different. See, but... what's funny though is I, I do kind of want to say Diamondbacks and six, but I'll stick by Rangers and seven. That's but I want to see Rangers in five so I can yeah. see them win their first World Series. Yeah, be cool. So I'd be cool with that too. Cool. So like, even I, though it's it, like, is is this the best Rangers team of no, all time? You but know? that's all right though. Alex Rodriguez is on it, so I'm okay with it. He's Paul Shavari. I'm Mike Mercado. We hope you enjoy this fall classic and be safe. This holiday season, we're here on the Sports Cubicle. Follow us on Twitter at Sports Cubicle TV. We're on YouTube at the Sports Cubicle. Search us Sports from the Couch. And, of course, on Spotify, SoundCloud, WCPT 820. Mad Dog Russo needs to retire.